What's going on, everybody? I'm Michael Fumafredo, and this is Coast to Coast Sports, the, the TV show for the fans, by the fans. Just a little bit about myself before we get in. I'm 19 years old from Staten Island, New York. I attend school at University of Southern California. Right now, I'm not there. I'm still in Staten Island, but hopefully as the show progresses, you'll see me there at the Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism, and hopefully all over the country if this thing picks up. What a great time to start a sports podcast or TV show. We got so much going on. The NFL kicked off. We'll get to that a little bit later. NBA Conference Finals going on. Stanley Cup Finals are almost underway. The Dallas Stars are waiting to see if they'll play the Tampa Bay Lightning or New York Islanders. Game 6 is tomorrow of that series. And the Lightning currently have a 3-2 lead. We also have the U.S. Open Golf match happening this weekend. Look for some big players to come to this state, New York, and tackle winged foot course. And we're going to start off today talking about some of the games from last night, the NBA Conference Finals Game 1 in the East, as well as Game 7 of the semifinals between the Nuggets and the Clippers. And if you're tuning in on YouTube, take this as the first chance to leave a like on the video and pay respects to the Los Angeles Clippers' failed experiment. You talk about all the guys they brought in for the season. Kawhi Leonard, the reigning finals MVP. Paul George, uh, MVP finalist and defensive player of the year finalist. You throw them in with two great bench players, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. You got a great team there, Pat Beverly as well. And you lose to the Denver Nuggets after having a 3-1 lead. That's got to say something about Doc Rivers, the organization, but we're not here to talk about them right now. Let's talk about the team that did win that game, the Denver Nuggets, who I think, as the third seed in the West, have probably the best team overall in the league in terms of guys that start, guys that are their star players, guys that are their role players. Jamal Murray had 30-plus points last night. Nikola Jokic, their big man, had a triple-double, as he normally does. Michael Porter Jr., a wild card for this team, playing his first games ever in the bubble. He's a guy that the Lakers, their opponent, haven't seen yet and should look to figure out how to defend as quickly as possible. This team has also come back from 3-1 twice in this, in this playoffs. First, they beat the Utah Jazz, and now they, take on, they took down the likely favorites in the Los Angeles Clippers. The one problem I do see with this team, besides their overall great team efforts and just overall great basketball, is are they fatigued? That's something to look out for as the Lakers, their opponent, have had about five days of rest and will be looking to capitalize on that. Other than that, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals happened last night, and it was actually a really good... Overtime thriller, the Miami Heat coming in as the fifth seed defeated the Boston Celtics. Let's first talk about the Celtics. They beat Toronto in seven, the reigning champions. You have Jason Tatum, a guy who I think is a legit star in this league. He's only 22 years old. 
Pair him with Jalen Brown, another guy, very young, 23 years old. Both guys should be all-stars at some point in their career and all-star mainstays. Throw in a guy, Kemba Walker, who's been a legit star in this league for a while now, coming over from the Charlotte Hornets, and you got one of the best teams in basketball. However, the one concern I do have for them is their inexperience. You look at the ages I just listed, Jason Tatum, 22, Jalen Brown, 23. The average age for the team is 25. You got a guy like Kemba Walker, who's a little bit older in his 30s. Gordon Hayward's also hurt. He's up there in age. But Gordon Hayward, uh, Kemba Walker hasn't been in a legit NBA playoff series in his, in his entire career. The only good games where I can remember him really having everything on the line is back at his time at UConn. If that's not a big concern, then I don't know what is. But I don't think it's, as big as a it's just as big as a concern for the team that did beat them last night, the Miami Heat. And these guys, when you talk about upsets, they're probably the number one on the list, the Cinderella story at heart. They upset the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo, the likely MVP. They beat them in five games. They currently have the best record in the playoffs at 9-1, and one. and that's even better than the Lakers. Jimmy Butler, who many thought weren't, wasn't the greatest guy to lead this team, he's turned out to be a legit leader. And Goran Dragic, their point guard, has been a real shock in the playoffs right now, averaging 21 points, 4.7 assists, just in this playoff series alone. Let's talk about their performance last night in the game. Tyler Hero in near triple-double. And Bam Adebayo, what a block on Jason Tatum. We, everyone saw it. Everyone was shocked. I was standing up in my bedroom watching that game. And you can't count out the fact that Jimmy Butler hit two clutch shots to tie the game at first and then take the lead in overtime with an N1 layup. But now I want to talk about the team I think that is definitely the favorite in this entire playoff series, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. And many people had them counted out. They thought the Clippers were better, but the Clippers are gone. Let's just put that in perspective. The team that everyone thought would beat the Lakers, actually the two, including the Milwaukee Bucks and that, they're both out. Now you got LeBron James, who's top 10 right now in the playoffs in both points and assists. He's also 11th in rebounds. Anthony Davis, his, the guy they brought in from New Orleans to really give LeBron that second star that he's had in his career. He's top 10 in points and rebounds as well. You add in Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, both playing great roles. Markeith Morris, another guy in that same arena. They've also lost the uh, second, they've also played the second fewest amount of playoff games and have won four straight in both series. So they're a team, we know what LeBron can do in the playoffs. He should be the favorite right now with a Denver team that's a little bit inexperienced uh, and fatigued, a uh, Miami Heat team that nobody thought would be here, and a Celtics team that LeBron, when he was on the Cavs, is put away pretty easily. Now, matchups that I'd love to see that could potentially happen now with the conference finals coming around, the Heat versus the Nuggets would probably be my favorite just because it's the worst nightmare for the NBA. You heard all the things in April, May about if there was a bubble season, what would happen if two random teams like the Heat or the Nuggets actually 
made it to the finals and made it a competitive series. I think Charles Barkley actually used that same analogy just to describe it. What happens when LeBron, Giannis, they're not there anymore? Who's going to be the random team that somehow wins a series? I would love it. I think it's we got deprived of March Madness back in March. This is what's going to make up for it. And that would be a great series. The Heat would also be the second lowest seed in history to win the NBA Finals. The Rockets did it as a sixth seed. Another one I'd like to see, Lakers versus Heat. LeBron going up against his old team, his old head coach, Eric Spolstra. And you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, a very good offensive duo, going up against Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who are a great defensive duo. And then... You could throw the Celtics in there against any team. I'd like to see them versus the Lakers just because that's a big historic rivalry, but those are the two matchups I'd really love to see. Moving on to some other sports, week one of the NFL season kicked off last week. And let me tell you, there were some great games. We had a lot of superstars perform well. A lot of them shocking. We had some guys come in as rookies. We'll get to more of that later, but the one guy I really want to talk about Playing for his new team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is Tom Brady. And this is what will bring our game of the week. The Saints beat the Buccaneers 34-23. to Drew Brees threw for 160 yards, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara was very good when it came into the red zone for them. He had two touchdowns as well for the Saints. Only 16 rush yards, but that was mostly the game script. They took him out pretty early. Michael Thomas, another guy that came into this team as a superstar. Their wide receiver actually got hurt. He's expected to miss a few weeks, but he only had three receptions. On the other hand, Tom Brady, you can say it was a not a great game for him. But I think in terms of levels from a guy like Nathan Peterman to, well, Tom Brady, I, I'd throw more on like that, that, that performance was on like the, the back end of that, closer to like, maybe like a Geno Smith, something like that. He threw... Didn't have the worst stats, 239 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Didn't, did throw two interceptions, though. One of those was returned for a touchdown. But other guys on the team, just he doesn't have that connection with like he did with Edelman or Gronkowski. Chris Godwin only had 79 receiving yards. He actually left the game with a head-to-head -head injury. And Mike Evans, only one reception for two yards. He was also dealing with a little hamstring injury. I did like the way he threw to O.J. Howard and Scotty Miller, though. Those are two guys that you should definitely look out for if you're in the fantasy realm. And we are going to talk about those guys on Saturday when we have our casual Saturday episode. We'll talk more about that later. But also the Saints defense, two interceptions. I said the pick six and three sacks on Tom Brady. Now, it's already week one. Is it time to hit the panic button on Tom Brady in the Buccaneers season? No. No, it's week one. We had no preseason. A lot of guys dealing with injuries. A lot of new guys coming in. Leonard Fournette, one of those guys, who was picked up just a few weeks ago by the Bucks. This is not what you expected from Tom Brady, but they did play a very good team. And I think it just built, like, time's got to develop to develop chemistry. You don't have, a, you got to get accustomed to your receivers. You don't have Julian Edelman, who he's been throwing to for 10 years or so. Gronkowski's there, but he's not the same guy he was. I think it's just going to take time. They didn't have the preseason where they could have developed this, so I think it'll take a few weeks. Like I said earlier, Scotty Miller, five receptions for 73 yards. O.J. Howard, 
four receptions, 36 yards, and a touchdown. They were the real standout guys. And if Brady can build that up with Godwin, Chris, uh, Mike Evans as well, this is a team that's got all these weapons, and they can perform. Bruce Arians even came out and said today with a few of the other guys on the team, the chemistry needs to get better. They watched the film. They said there are things that can be fixed and that we will work on in practice. And I expect that to change. Let's see what they got coming up next. They're going to play home at Carolina. It's their home opener. Then they go to Denver. Then they come back home to face the LA Chargers and then the Chicago Bears in Chicago. None of these games are really sh shaping up to be a real shootout and they're all winnable games in my opinion. You got Denver who only put up 14 points, lost. The, the Chargers only put up 16, they won. But none of their quarterbacks are as good as Brady. You got Teddy Bridgewater playing, Drew Locke, Tyrod Taylor, and Mitchell Trubisky. Nate, if you can tell me that one of those guys is better than Tom Brady right now, I don't think you should be watching this show. I think you should be watching how to watch sports or just something like the basics. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be all right. There's still there's still 15 more games left to play in the season. They have plenty of time to figure this out. I think they should be fine. They're still a pretty good team in my eyes. Now that's just one game. There were 16 games last weekend, ranging from Thursday to Monday night, and a lot of these games were great football. Honestly, not what you'd expect from the first time out on the field for many of these guys. And that's gonna bring us to our third segment. The top five. And the top five for this week is the top five storylines of week one. Let's get right into it. Number five, new faces in new places. We already talked about Tom Brady, his rushing touchdown, actually. That's not what you'd expect to see from a 40-year-old quarterback. But it is something you'd expect to see from Cam Newton. He had two replacing Brady on the New England Patriots in their win against the Miami Dolphins. Moving on to some receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, 14 receiving yards for 151 yards, beat San Francisco. That's an upset we'll talk about, but his, his connections with Kyler Murray seemed deadly at this, like, early on. It's only their first game together. It's one of DeAndre Hopkins' best games of his career. I expect to see a lot more of that in the upcoming weeks from him. And a lot of these guys, they were trusted by their new teams. Maybe not had the best performance, but... You should see them, even after just one week, that they'll get a lot of touches, they'll throw the ball a lot. Guys I'd highlight were Phillip Rivers, who had 46 pass attempts, 363 yards. One of the, I think he's top three in the league right now for that. He did have an interception and only one touchdown, and they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's still uh, very interesting to see Frank Reich trusting Phillip Rivers this early in the season. Todd Gurley and David Johnson, two guys that many said were washed up. They found the end zone, got a large amount of carries, really led their backfields for the Atlanta Falcons and Houston Texans, respectfully. And then Adrian Peterson, old man, 35 years old, playing for another team. Now, I believe this is his fifth of his career. He had 93 yards on 14 carries for the Detroit Lions. He was their leading rusher. And I know DeAndre Swift is a guy they really want to fill that position Another guy, Carryon Johnson, seems to be getting hurt all the time. So expect Adrian Peterson to play a role in this backfield. Number four, first day on the job. A lot of rookies really showed out in their debut performances. Talk about the number one overall pick to start off, Joe Burrow. He may have had an okay game. 
team let him down at the end. But what you'd expect from a guy playing on the worst team in the NFL last year, making his first career start. 193 yards, rushing touchdown, but an interception. And Colin Cowherd actually said it, I think, the best. He threw the interception on one possession, came back the next with that touchdown. That's what you'd like to see from a guy that's a veteran move. You make a mistake, you come back, forget about it. Another guy, Chase Young, I think had the best rookie performance out of anyone this weekend. One and a half sacks and a fumble for him with the Washington football team. They beat Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's what, that's what they brought him in for. I mean, Philadelphia had no second half points. They were able to come back from 17 point, like 17 nothing. Another guy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, many of you know him as the superstar guy in fantasy. Maybe he was your first-round pick, early second-rounder. He had a very good game, 25 carries, 138 yards, and a touchdown. I would like to see more from him, though. I would want to see him produce on the goal line. He had 10 red zone rushing attempts, 6 with goal to go. Didn't score on any of them. His one touchdown came on a long rush. And J.K. Dobbins also found the end zone for t twice for the Baltimore Ravens in their blowout against the Cleveland Browns. Number three, high scoring and close games. 22 teams scored over 20 points. Eight of them scored over 30. That's the NFL we like to see if you're an offensive fan. Seven games were decided by one possession. And just to highlight those, a lot of them came down to the final possession. And even those games that you thought were out of reach from the beginning, many that seemed to just be back and forth were actually pretty entertaining. The, the Minnesota Vikings and uh, the Green Bay Packers went into a shootout. I think the score was 43-34. to 34. And it just seemed like nobody would stop scoring in that one. Is this a trend that just week one happens, not that many people are used to tackling yet, or is it something we'll see develop for the entire year where guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes are just putting up points after points, no punts, just touchdowns, field goals? I don't know. I think it sounds pretty interesting to me. Number two, mistakes costing teams wins. Oh, I was excited to talk about this one. I got four right here that I can really just... Uh, destroy the players or the, off the coaches on. DeAndre Swift, this is your first game you come out and drop a game-winning touchdown pass to your team. The Detroit Lions loses a game that you had to the Bears. Matt Rule, this one really hurt because I have Christian McCaffrey on one of my fantasy teams, but you chose Alex Armagh, your fullback, to run on fourth and one on the final possession do I even need to tell you guys that he didn't get it? Because he didn't. Just hand it off to Christian McCaffrey. It's, it's that simple. Then you move on to the Sunday night game. Mike McCarthy, after being fired by the comments of Aaron Rodgers, telling him that he's not a great coach, I ran the team. You get, you get picked up by America's team, the lead Dak Prescott through this franchise tag year, and you call a fourth down in the red zone. You go for it, don't get it, but you easily could have tied the game. There was enough time for them to get the ball, and then you get the ball back. That, I don't know. You, you want to make a splash your first game, I get it, but I don't know. It just comes down to good coaching and wanting to make a splash. That's 
what it basically came down to. And, and this one's my favorite one. I don't think this is anyone's fault. Randy Bullock, the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals, they call him Fat Randy, or they used to. He injured his calf, fake, uh, had a hamstring injury. He was limping off the field after missing the game-winning or the game-tying field goal attempt against the Chargers. That could have gotten Joe Burrow his first win. We don't know. Then the game never went to overtime. And that brings us into our number one of our top five, Upset City. We had a lot of those this weekend. First off, we talked about it already, the Bears kind of got lucky on the DeAndre Swift drop, but they had three unanswered touchdowns in the fourth, won the game 27-23. Trubisky threw for all three touchdowns. That's a guy they drafted, looked like a number two pick for the first time in his career. But, yeah, that he's on the hot seat right now. Maybe this will be a turnaround year for him. Maybe the Bears opt to keep him. We'll never know. The Washington football team, many of them had them written off. But they looked like they were trying to make the name for themselves, if you know what I mean. The Washington football team won 27-17 against their division rival Philadelphia Eagles. And when I say defense wins games... Defense won this game for them. Eight sacks. Carson Wentz turned the ball over three times. And you can't count out uh, Carson um, the You can't count out the quarterback play there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins really showed out, had a great second half for them, and that's what brought them back into the game. And finally, Minshew Mania, Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars won 27-20 in Phillip Rivers' debut on the Indianapolis Colts. He threw for one incompletion, went 19 for 20, and threw for three touchdowns. Granted, he only had 173 yards, but they didn't need him. They got the ball, the defense really stood their ground, and that's what, the, the points just came and went. You had... Um, Two scoring drives in the final five minutes for them as well. And then many people came into this season thinking the Arizona Cardinals were going to be a sleeper team. And they did not disappoint in their first game. Took down the reigning NFC champions, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, also a division game for them in the NFC West. But Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, we already talked about that connection. Their defense stood their ground against a really good offense. I think this is a team that, they, that we might have to worry about as fans of other teams, especially in that NFC West division. If you're a better and you like going for the underdog, you would have hit on seven of the 16 games this weekend. Maybe that's a trend you should look out for. And now finally, I was just going to close off the show with a little couple thank yous and stuff, but... Big news broke yesterday. I'm, like I mentioned earlier, I go to University of Southern California, not the other USC. If you were watching earlier on Liquid Lunch, John Tobacco almost messed that up. But the Big Ten announced that they were going to play football last night. And after already making that initial decision that, I don't know, they planned on not playing then they wanted to, then reports came out that a lot of teams were unhappy with that. Some of them, like Michigan, Michigan State, weren't too sure. They came out last night, did a vote, and they said that they were going to play football. Now that means four out of the five Power Five schools are playing football this year, and the only one that's not is the Pac-12. 
So, the guys at my school, USC, the players actually wrote a letter to the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, last night. It was tweeted out by Amon Ross St. Brown, our, the top receiver there, and head coach Clay Helton also retweeted it, endorsed it, talked about it as well. And just a couple headlines from the notes they wrote to the governor. It is a credit to your leadership that the state of California has been listening to our voices for years, and we are counting on you to hear us now. We want to play. That says it all right there, I guess. They highlighted that there's a lot of restrictions going on in the state of California. The Pac-12 partnered with Cudell Corporation for a daily testing for the players. They're going to put safety in front of everything. And they really just watched a bunch of games kick off last week. The NFL, NCAA, a lot of teams started playing. And they were really confused on why they're not part of the action right now. And that's the message for the Pac-12, not only just like California for putting too many restrictions on these players. The Pac-12 needs to figure this out because a lot of these guys are losing eligibility. They're losing draft stock just because of a virus that nobody else on that same level seems to really care about as much as the ones over at the Pac-12. You're talking about guys from Oregon, guys from USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal. Those are all guys that produce great NFL players every single year, and you're depriving them of a prove-it year, especially for the juniors and the seniors. Think about it. Amon Ross St. Brown going into his junior year, this is a make-or-break year from him. What happens if he can't play football? Does he become a junior just a year older and now killing his draft stock? Does a guy like Keaton Slovis, who's, who's going to try and develop as a starting quarterback in year two, does he have to sit on the sidelines as Jake Garcia comes in next year, and I actually want to bring up an interesting point about him. His parents, living in California, actually legally split up their marriage so that his father can move out to Georgia and Jake can play football at a high school down there and finish off his senior season. That's what it's come to. Guys are, people are ending their marriages, and granted, they're going to get back together, but they're legally separating in their marriages so their kids can get out of California and play football. I just think this all needs to end. We need to get back to the daily routine. Guys need to play football. It's what everyone's asking for. The players are asking for it. The fans are asking for it. The coaches are asking for it. Anyway, let's see if that changes anytime. Just a couple thank yous that I wanted to give out since this is the first ever episode. I want to thank the Liquid Lunch crew for giving me the opportunity to come on late after the show, staying late, helping me out with the production. Chris Wardana, one of my friends out in California, sent that great guitar intro in the opening segment. Thank you for him. I promised I'd give him a shout out. Thank you to all of you watching, whether it's on the Liquid Lunch Facebook, it's on our YouTube, or listening in on Spotify. We really appreciate the support. Thank you to all of you, and I hope to see you back again in the weeks to come. I mentioned Casual Saturdays. That's a show I'm going to do every Saturday where I bring on one of my friends who's not an expert, like I said. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. They're going to come on talk about their fantasy team, their favorite teams, just guys they like to talk about, betting advice. You won't want to miss that. That's going to be fun. Uh, anyway, if you missed any part of the show, catch it on YouTube. It'll be up later today. And a podcast version will be on Spotify if you want to listen to it while you're driving home from work, just listening to it while you're working out. We really appreciate the listens. But anyway, that's it for me. I'm Michael Fumafredo. Once again, I'll see you Saturday. This has been a great first episode of Coast to Coast Sports. 
the show for the fans, by the fans. We'll see you Saturday.